0: What's up, my weirdos? It's Syrah and we are back this week with a summary episode, meaning Megan and I are breaking it down with the best pieces of advice from the last three. So not to worry if you happen to skip one of the last three fabulous episodes with Nina, Denise, or Dr. Gurner, but I'm excited for you to tune into this one as we pull out the best pieces and let you know our final thoughts. So without further ado, let's go.
1: Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Funds, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance, hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley, and her partner in crime Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by Stocktwits. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. Yeah, so it took how many hours in Sephora
0: for them to find a nude for your skin? Mm, like, it took so long that when I got back to the car, Nick was like, did you go like shopping? And I was like, well, I got my nude lipstick and he was like, it took you two hours to get one lip color (laughs) i think it's time to leave colorado (laughs) good god woman yeah it's time i'm ready i feel like i'm ready Mm. being in california and like i mean i was bopping back and forth and traveling so much these last few weeks we haven't have we talked since i got married is this like our first recording post wedding like obviously we've talked but like This is the first time we've chatted since I got married, right?
1: Yes. You are a married woman now. Mm. For better or worse. Do you feel older? Like, I feel like it, you know, you would be a matron of honor now,
0: you know? Uh, I mean, I'm not like (laughs) mad about that. I mean, I definitely, I think this was the riskiest decision that I have ever made. And I think it ties in well to what we're going to talk about today. Only because I genuinely believed after all of the, honestly, the crap that I went through in my last marriage that I was like, I'm done. I'm mailing it in. And I was super confident in just wanting to be alone and like dating and ruining a bunch of men's lives since one had done such a good job of ruining mine. But yeah, I took a huge risk and I'm learning... That it's a whole process to just lean back into marriage and like really want it again. Yeah. But this time I'm actually putting forth the work, right? So Of course.
1: Not that you didn't before. But yeah. But it's all about balance, you know, which is also what we're going to talk about today. Which is just how do we continuously try to find it? And I think that's what's so poignant about this first series for the both of us because... You and I have trouble finding balance. Finding the right job that's going to give us that balance without, you know, taking a back seat. <laughs> that's hard. Especially as women,
0: right? Well, yeah. And that's something Nick and I are always iterating on because I don't want him to have to take a back seat at his job and I know you don't want Taylor to have to take a back seat at his job either and it's like there's push and there's pull and, you know, how many vacations do we take? Do we hang out with one side of the family or the other depending yeah. on which vacation it is? And like, right. what what do we spend our money on? Are we going to start co-investing together? What does all of that stuff look like at scale? Like we say at scale at our companies, but like, do you talk about what scale looks like for your partner? Like Nick's eyes popped out of his forehead when I was like, we're going to start doing real estate investing together. And he was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, oh my god, it's wild But
1: I think to be honest and, and we can get into it in like the the actual, you know meat of this episode These three episodes I definitely listened back to and acted on actively and I think we should totally talk about it But they were super informative for me in just my journey and I imagine people that are listening to this feel the same way They're like god. I always feel like an imposter. How do I work through that, you know? Or my gut is telling me I should take this risk, but my head is saying like, absolutely don't do anything. You're safe, secure, and fine. And then, you know, the dream is to have it all, which does anyone? I don't know.
0: I, yeah. I think that's a perception though. Hmm.
1: Well, should we take a quick break and then post mortem this?
0: Postmortem. Let's do it. Let's take a break. Sweet. Mm -mm 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 -mm. (laughs) (laughs) he's all tired i am
1: (laughs) it's good it's good it's sensual
0: (laughs) it's sensual sensual Yes. Is that like your way of saying I sound like ASMR? Should I scratch a yes. like a little bit? You know
1: what? I really got to stop saying that because now when I'm scrolling through TikTok, like all the live ones is just like girls with really long nails, like scratching a microphone. I'm like, this is getting a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little odd, you know, like, I, I don't know. It's kind of
0: weird. I'm not into I it. I always feel odd, but I like feeling that way. You know, we got a weird piece of feedback on this podcast that I actually love, and it's that Ooh. somebody loves that we call everyone our weirdos because mm-hmm. everybody is my like everybody's a little bit of a weirdo, and I feel like some of these subjects are weird, so I like calling people weirdos, and I take it take it as a compliment. So, shout out to the people that have said that to us because I personally am proud of well, my weirdos we're weirdos.
1: And we have an army of weirdos. We have a weirdo army. I want everyone to know that being a weirdo is cool. Like I never thought that when I was little, right? Like people would look at us and be like, "Oh, you know, Syra was class president and Megan played all the sports in the world to try to, you know, be cool and normal, but really we were like deep down weirdos, you know, like listening to like
0: weird music in our bedrooms." So, and I also BTW like when I did all the things and all of the clubs I just I don't know it was like a, the dorky stuff like I wasn't cool mm. so and I mean I don't think most people like admitting that but like I definitely was not cool in high school I just had you know my handful of friends and
1: who homework. was cool
0: no one wanted to peak in high school though you know like if uh, you peaked I, in high school there were people that
1: enjoyed peaking in high school Let's no, no 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 But after high school, you don't want to be like, I peaked in high school. You know, like I peaked in college. I was like, I'm coming into my own. Like
0: I had some weird, awkward, you've seen the photos, childhood. You did not peak in college though. No, I've seen the photos. We didn't peak in college either. Listen, I am, I have not yet peaked, okay? Like you are doing all kinds of crazy stuff at your Large company, and I am, you know, we just talked about it. I just got interviewed by the Wall Street Journal, and I am very few moments in my life have I been that proud of myself and like excited for the future. So,
1: oh my God, I am so shallow. I literally was talking about my looks peaked in college. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, so let's jump onto
1: this subject. Let's talk about balance, Megan McShane. Oh my God, I need some balance in this talk. All right, all right. So first episode that we had, which was oh so good. So on un- how to unlock your potential, which what a great name. Who's our writer? <laughs> it's me. But <laughs> you know what an an amazing topic and an amazing woman to bring in. So Dr. Julie Gerner, who you used in executive coaching. Many people, when I've been telling people about the episode, I'm like, go listen to it because I don't think everyone can really. Access Julie the way that we did during that conversation. You know, she has clientele. She has people that are executives. I'm not an executive. I don't know if she would even, you know, necessarily take me on. So it's almost like behind the scenes of like, how are the people that have a seat at the table starting to understand and unpack how they unlock their potential, which is super interesting and cool.
0: I mean, and I don't know if there was something you took away that that you really feel empowered on. But one of the things that I took from that episode, Meg, that really resonated with me. And if it's one piece of advice that I could give everybody that's listening, it's to not only find your tribe and find other people within your circle that can help encourage you and like push you forward and, you know, talk about how you didn't peak in college. And by the way, you also didn't peak looks wise in college. That's no, that's also not true. But also just like find other women that you share ideologies with and that you can then add to your own own persona and your own like schema, right? Like I am continuously in search of more women that inspire me, more men that inspire, like more people generally that can help me build my voice and my ideologies and like really make that foundation of who I am as a person, the strong woman that I would like to be. So that was the one thing that I took away from Dr. Gerner. Like you should always seek other people that have that similar voice that you can then project forward and like really accelerate yourself. Yes.
1: Oh, I do remember that now, like thinking back to it, because it was such a long time ago because we're so organized this season, which is great. (laughs) But God... Like we were like, yeah, like celebrating each other. I mean, you remember, I mean, you and I have had this conversation a lot. Mostly me just being like, is this normal? But when you have these queen bees in a work environment, right? And they come in and they're like, I own this and there's no space for other women. There's only space for me. And I think a lot of people can feel that way. And to me, it just kind of like, it grits on me where I'm like, why the hell would we try to knock each other down when when we're here to when there's enough space for all of us? God, I just remember us talking about that like so many times. I mean, how many jobs have I had? Let's be real? It's a lot. So we've had this conversation a multitude of times about just those women that kind of bring each other down, and we've never been that way, and I love that about us like we're amazing
0: <laughs> i you know I think that's I think that's one of the pieces that every woman or man, or, you know, or whomever you are, every person needs to contemplate as they become a leader. It's not how can I cut other people down? It's how do we all rise up together? And that's something, again, like that's like a driving factor to me. That's one of the reasons that I want to listen to people that can elevate me. Because if I'm listening to other people that are elevating me, and then I'm also listening to other people that are, whether they're significantly ahead in their career or not, I feel like that is how I can drive other people forward myself. Like, what is it? A rising tide raises lifts all... Lifts all boats. Lifts all boats. Yeah. I don't know. And that's something that I try to actually embody at every company that I work at. I know that I'm pushing that really hard at HMB right now. I think that other women should be trying to do the same thing, right? That was... The whole premise of the article in the Wall Street Journal, like, I didn't just ask to get my eggs frozen. I wanted everybody else at my company to get their eggs frozen as well if they wanted to, or, you know, or whatever form of fertility assistance they needed, regardless of gender. Like, that is the kind of stuff that we need to start pushing for as leaders at our respective companies. Like, how can you help other people become better leaders simply by being who you are? And that was one of the ways that I saw it at my company. And that's like the question that I keep asking myself, like how can I push other people forward to do similar things for others where it doesn't cost you a thing? It's literally just opening your mouth and saying, this is something that we need.
1: Mm. Mm. Preach. Seriously, though. No, yeah. I mean, I think that's amazing. And I mean, I've celebrated you a lot offline, but online, you know, I've gushed over you. Sometimes like I feel like we're sisters. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, you're the older one. So you're the older sister. Sorry, sometimes. But where I was just like gushing over you. And I was like, girl is like my homie. Like, how cool is this? Like, we all aspire to be this. But let's all like rise her up and like say, you were in the Wall Street Journal. Like, my dad reads that every day. You know what I mean? Like, established career men. Did your dad high five me? Like, like <laughs> he want to you know what Papa Purcell said. He texted me. He also doesn't listen to this, so it's fine. But he <laughs> texted me and he said, you know, when did Cyrus article come out? And I sent it to him and he was like, oh my God. I'm like, you know, cause he opens up, he gets the wall street journal every day. He's a layman. He just like gets an actual paper. Yep. And so how cool is that? Like, that's amazing.
0: So just kudos, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing though. I think the more you do that kind of stuff, the more likely you are to accelerate. I don't know. It's like, again, like, Right. And that's, that I think is the point. Like, the more you push yourself forward and the more you elevate others, the more likely you are to push yourself forward even further. Like, my career Mm -hmm. would not be where it is if it was not for the hundreds of thousands of humans that have helped me get here. And there's no, there's no forgetting that. And Dr. Gerner is most certainly near the top of that list, frankly, because she was the one that pushed me when I was negotiating, frankly, because she was my executive Mm -hmm. coach during that time. So I feel like this actually, folds into the next episode that we did, which was how to tackle risk with Denise Shaw, this incredible human being who has helped the finance brains of the world, frankly, professional athletes as well. She helps them determine insanely difficult things and pushes them to the next level. And I want to know, Meg, how you view risk now that you have really mulled over some of the stuff that Denise said. You know, I think
1: I've been right about it this whole time based on what Denise said. Like I've gotten it right and I've been insecure so many times listening to other people and not listening to myself when I want to take a risk, right? Don't do that. That's not secure. You won't have a 401k. You won't, you know, whatever, which I shouldn't say on a finance podcast, but whatever. But true, you know, you take a big risk. Sometimes it's financial, whatever, But what I heard Denise say, which is something I pride myself on that will be written on my tombstone, is that I lead with empathy and I lead with my emotions. And a lot of people think, oh, God, she's so gullible because she does that and like doesn't, you know, she's trying to lead with her gut. But essentially what Denise told us is lean into how do I feel and do I feel good about this? Yes then I should do it and just that be the case. Like you don't need to explain it. You know, I know I've gotten into cases before where I'm like, I mean, but what do you think? And my voice goes up. Like I'm insecure because I'm so nervous about the perception of a decision I've made to other people. That's kind of what I took away is that, you know, my gut is usually right. And I need to lean into that even more and just drop from like kind of my head into my gut more more and more and more. How about you?
0: Well, I mean, I kind of feel like that's just like the general Megan modus operandi. Like you, that is how you function. Like you negotiate with emotions, you contemplate risk with emotion. Like I have never, every time we've had a serious debate about anything that is life-changing for you, inflection points throughout your life, whether it was, you know do i need to break up with your last boyfriend all of the conversations that we've ever had you come forward with the emotional side first and then we talk about the rational stuff after so and i mean i like we were talking about earlier the riskiest thing i have done in my life was get married a second time i continuously take on risk as it pertains to like financial decisions but that is me like iterating on myself and saying you know i am going to buy a whole bunch of jpegs thank you ashley louise And all I'm doing in my brain is adding to my art collection. Like other, I think one of the things that I love about the community of people that we have surrounded ourselves with is that you lead with conviction. And that is a, it's partially like self confidence, but it's also like owning your power and saying it's okay to be intelligent in an arena and to have other people disagree with you and be like, I think what you're doing is dumb. And for me to still push forward, I don't know. I guess I continuously, when I was growing up, thought that I needed to have the approval of the majority. And I don't always need that anymore because I am much more confident in who I am as a person. I don't know. I think that's the one thing I took away from Denise. It's like, go with conviction. And as long as you're convinced, Who cares what everyone else says? Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly.
0: And like that, the risk percentage, you know what? At the end of the day, we all screw up. We all make mistakes. I have made plenty of mistakes in my life. I made plenty of mistakes transacting, doing trades, executing garbage. And you end up surviving. You end up making it out. So like, I think the one thing I took away from Denise is that A, it's okay to make mistakes. And B, it's okay to say that some of the decisions you're making are emotional. And you know what? we as women are significantly intelligent when it comes to our emotions. And frankly, I consider that to be an advantage at this point. So, yes. And I definitely think it's an advantage between you and I, that is something that we are experts in. Yes.
1: Risk. Who would have known, you know? Well, you did like from a financial perspective, I feel like you always talk to me about risk.
0: Yeah. But but if you had ever told me that I was ever going to have a conversation with an expert and that expert was going to say, hey, by the way, the majority of your decision making is emotionally based. I mean, she would have been laughed off of our trade desk for sure. Right. Like to this day, they probably mm-hmm. still don't believe in that or understand that. So. But it makes so much sense. I
1: totally outside of this conversation, but what just sparked for me was the best advice a manager ever gave me or not even advice. He kind of just told it to me and God love him for that, you know. We used to go out for smoke breaks except I didn't smoke, but he did and I just walked with him while he smoked because (laughs) I got the best, you know, information (laughs) and conversation out of it because when you're walking side by side instead of sitting at a table, you tend to have better conversations. Right. And so we were sitting there and I was debating making a move inside Microsoft and I was like, oh, I don't know and weighing all the pros and cons and whatever and he looks at me and he goes, look, a risk is a risk is a risk. You're going to wake up tomorrow and think you made a bad decision either way. And then in a month from now, you're going to be like, ah, oh, did I really make the right decision? And you're going to keep questioning yourself. So just kind of go with what you feel like you should do on the day that the risk is like happening and you just kind of flow with it and see what happens. He's like, it is not a death sentence. It's a job. You know, this is when I thought my job is absolutely everything and I will give it all. No, it's about balance. And when I'm learning. But, you know, that's basically what he was saying. He goes, go in, make money, be smart, go home, have a family, do your thing. (laughs) I was like, damn. Yes, that always comes back to me. So I know a lot of people right now, especially going through the pandemic, a lot of people quit their jobs. A lot of people are contemplating quitting their jobs and taking on a big risk. I think the advice, at least that I would give them, I don't know if you would say this. Yes, be financially secure before you quit, of course. But if like you wake up every day and you're miserable, like you're absolutely miserable, then maybe it's time for a change and that's okay. And you might be taking on some risk. Do what you think is right because it's your life,
0: you know? Is that ill-advised? I feel like we're jumping into the balance side of things, which was the interview with Nina here. Mm. Yes. Yes and it's layered into with the risk, right? Honestly, if you're, I don't know the, what are they calling it? The great resignation. If you are unhappy at your job, if you are day to day at a slog, it's finding your passion and trying to lean into it. If you can afford to do that though, right? Like if you have Mm -hmm. other things, like, I mean, there's just so much nuance to that. So, you know, to each their own, but it's something that Nick and I talk about a lot too. And You know, in terms of balance, I feel like one of the things I'm always pulling apart is how do you have a family from a financial perspective when, like, I know as the woman that the expectation would be that I have to take a back seat. So, you know, one of the things that Nick and I like, I think everyone has different things that they save for. Like, Nick and I are like, we're going to save up for a night nurse and a nanny because. I really want the ability to continue to proliferate my career. I don't want to have to take a back seat. Nick is crushing it right now in his engineering role. And he, like, I mean, the both of us are working seven days a week when we have the energy to do so. And it would be remiss of me for me to turn to him and say, I want you to take a back seat or for me to take a back seat right now because we both want to accelerate, but we also want to have kids. And I think there is a push and a pull there in terms of both taking the risk and saying, are we ready to have kids or do we want to wait even longer? And then there's also the balance aspect. Like, do we want to have the balance between family life and work? Like, are we ready for that? Or do we need to have help? Which is one of the reasons I want to move to California and like be closer to my family because I know that I'll have some of the help there because I'm fortunate enough to have the parents that like want to participate in that. So I don't know. These are all things that go through my head and it's so relevant because I was ta- when talking we were talking to Nina and it's like here's a woman who quit her job with grace at an amazing company and has started a an absolutely beautiful mind-blowing company that I think will significantly benefit the people that she is targeting when it fully launches and She just like not only took the risk, but she's also figuring out like how to get through life. I mean, I don't know what, like, what are your thoughts, Meg? Where are you trying to find balance right now?
1: I mean, a lot of the things that you're talking about, like, you know, I'm getting up there in my thirties. It's unfortunate that women tend to have, you know, this like tick tocking clock at a certain age when, especially when you find someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with and you're like, God. Like for me, the biggest decision I've made over the past year is moving to Chicago, which is happening in either June or July. The negotiations are on the table. Yes, that's between Taylor and I. (laughs) Negotiations. That's my whole relationship. It's beautiful. Taylor, it's now recorded. (laughs) Oh, he knows. We found a place we think. I'll send it to you. But anyway, it's always kind of the next thing. And I think you said it so beautifully There's something that millennials are facing that I don't think any other generation has had to is both spouses are typically working and typically like have careers and are having babies later in life. And you're like, well, I don't want to give up what I'm doing. I'm important. Well, I don't want to give up what I'm doing. I'm important. Of course you're important. You're important to me too. And so is your career. And so are our children. So how do we find that balance? That's more of kind of like long-term balance for me. Right now it's more like, getting into my new job, which I absolutely fucking love right now. You know, talk to me in three weeks. But, (laughs) you know, getting into my new job, establishing myself as an authority, establishing myself as an expert, but also willing and able to learn and grow, of course, because that's why I'm there. But then it's finding the balance of how do I get to yoga? (laughs) and How do I continue to eat healthy and not drink too much? And it. I don't know about you, but I know It ebbs and flows. It's either like I'm super healthy, but like I could do better at work or I'm crushing it at work and then everything else, like my pants are too fucking tight. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I know that on such a deep level after traveling for the last two weeks. You know, I think there's a point and you and I have talked about this because I have we both talk about our body issues with each other fairly openly. And for me, I'm like, you know what? My partner loves my body. And at some point, I need to just cave and be like, I need to stop being so obsessive about what's going into my body. Because honestly, it's kind of fun to crush at work. It sucks when you have to travel and like garbage in creates garbage body, if you will. But with the advent of athleisure becoming more and more common within the workplace. <laughs> my God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Okay. Uh, which To anyone that hasn't explored that arena, I encourage you to do so. If you are able to wear athleisure to the office, I discovered Lululemon outlets while I was in California with my family last week. Oh, my God. One word, joggers. <laughs> they look so good.
1: They look good rock on everybody. Them, but you can rock them. You can rock them with tennis shoes. Believe it or not, you can rock them with heels. I've done it. It works. You can wear a fancier top. You can dress them up.
0: Uh, yeah. And, and you know, for Zoom calls, it's perfect. It's perfect. Nobody needs to see mm-hmm. your bottoms. Anyways, so I guess <laughs> <laughs> all of this is to say, no, I feel that on a deep level. I think it's tough because you have to give a little bit. and And that's something that I am still exploring in terms of where we're going to give should we choose to do mm. a child in the near future or like over the course of the next several years, whatever the case may be the question looming in my mind is what I'm going to give up in exchange for that because something has to give, right? Like you can't live your life in the same manner once you have a kid. So those are all things that we're like discovering and working on together. And, you know, iterating is my current favorite word because all I know is that I am continuously attempting to adapt and improve because there is There's never going to be a perfect solution. I'm never going to be perfectly balanced. And at some point, you have to be okay with that. Like the imbalance is just part of your life.
1: God, I think that's so poignant. (laughs) It's like life is always moving forward. Like I took a yoga class the other day, and the mantra was time. You would have loved it. And it was like, breathe in the future, breathe out the past. And I know people might laugh. I know you're going to laugh. I love him. He's amazing. You should come and take his class. But There's something so interesting about that in the way that how life is always moving forward, whether you're ready for it or not. And so finding balance, which, yes, is this series of our podcast, is kind of an ever-flowing thing. You can never grasp it. You can never be like, oh, I'm perfectly balanced. Then you should be dead. (laughs) Like...
0: Well, and if any, here's the thing like anyone that says that their life is perfectly balanced, like I'm curious what they're doing to fit, you know, a 29 hour day into 24 hours. Cause I have never met someone that's like, I get enough sleep. I work to my fullest and don't have any work left at the end of the day. I get a workout in. I eat perfectly. My significant other feels completely fulfilled. My dogs get all of the attention that they need. My children get all of the attention that they need. Like I've never seen someone that is across the board like, everything is perfect and no, no ball has dropped. Like you just can't juggle everything at once and it's okay to be imperfect. Yes.
1: I'm embracing <laughs> that right now as you say it in real time.
0: Are you uh, breathing in the future and exhaling the past, Megan? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> should we take it. a quick break and wrap this up yeah we should take a break <laughs> all right na, 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 na. <laughs> okay
1: here we are adding it up because our structure is amazing mm. okay this is my proposal to you so each one of our lovely heroines that we talked to we asked four questions in the series and so we're you know kind of adding up the series here, you and I on our podcast, I think we should answer the questions.
0: What do you think? Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you the first one then. What is some advice you'd give a woman who is having a baby and trying to tell their boss they are pregnant?
1: Okay. I am summoning Dr. G. And I said
0: woman, by the way. I mean anyone. So go ahead. Yes. Anyone. They're going to have a baby.
1: Okay. Summoning Dr. G. When you have this conversation. By the way, after we talked to Dr. G, I actually ended up quitting my job, uh, which I was going to do anyway, but I used her advice and I actually wrote it down in like one of my notes on my, my phone. And I think the structure is the same here. She talked about leading with... I'm so excited to tell you the news I have to tell you because you're leading with positivity and then you start to break down. You let them know the news. I'm having a child. Therefore, I will be going on paternity or maternity leave. And then you start to break down the fears that you think they might have. I will be completely prepared before I leave. I have a plan put together and I'll be back. But I'm so excited that I'm able to take this time to spend growing my family And that I have the support of my work to come back to. Like to me, yes, that's like perfect world scenario. But I think if you are headed into a situation like that, I think you take the skills that Dr. G told us in that framework, you take on the notion of the lovely Denise Shull of leading with your gut and leaning into the emotional side of things and being confident in your decision. And then you try to have it all, right? So you shouldn't care what they're going to say. Of course you will. But if you can lead, I think, with that structure in mind, you probably will get the best results.
0: I love that. And I I think it really resonated with me. It also, by the way, sounded perfectly constructed. Like you may or may not have that saved somewhere on your phone. Like in preparation, I saw the brow raise, in preparation for if and when that happens, right? When you decide, if you decide to have children in the future. I don't know that I would tweak anything that you said aside from us being who we are, I think the only other thing from my mentality perspective, when I'm walking in that door, I would probably have, you know, a multi-layered timeline that Mm. says, here are all of the tasks that I currently complete. These are the people that are going to bootstrap that for me during that time. If there's an emergency, like, I guess because I would want as a future mother to be able to, Really enjoy my time with my child. I also fully understand that no one can fully replace you at your job if you're dispersing the tasks across the board, right? So, my other thought is like having mild availability so that you can be like, there's still like coaching that can be available here. Like, because I don't, I don't know, I guess my pushback on all of this is like fully unplugging if you are a leader. Is super important when you're going on vacation. But like for a maternity leave, my thought would be like you have some form of a plan for everyone to take on your tasks, but you're also not just a task person, right? You're also a leader. So I would probably, for me personally, I would have check ins like once a month where I like let people come in, ask a bunch of questions, and then still give them the guidance and the coaching that they probably want and need. But I, Still don't think that that deducts from my maternity leave in any way, shape, or form because the sleep is important and the dedication to your child is important. Yeah. But I think that that's separate from if you're taking a maternity leave and you don't necessarily have employees that are rolling up to you. I think those are two different ideas, right? If you don't have people that look up to you and that you're mentoring and that you're working with, I think that's different than going through a maternity leave where you're taking a prolonged period of time off and people probably still need your help. So, and that's something I've been thinking about and pulling apart a lot. And it's like, what is the perfect maternity leave? I think there's flexibility there and there is some necessity for people, whether you're in the C-suite or in some form of leadership to, to not be, I'm not saying be unplugged when you need to be unplugged, but to plug back in periodically to make sure that everyone feels supported.
1: Hmm. Do you hate that? I I, a I hate a little, yeah, I hate a little that you're like, well, I'll check in. You're like conceding to their their fears of like now you're gone for 3 months. But that's also your family.
0: So you've got to dedicate all of that time just like you would dedicate 3 months of work to work. I 100% am not saying that I wouldn't do either. Like I think that there is still importance to like Me pushing forward, but because here's the thing you can prepare people for when you're leaving and give them everything that they need, but at the same time, when you let them sail on their own with whatever aspect of your work that you're letting them do, there is still coaching that needs to happen that has nothing to do with your actual job or the tasks, right? Like, there is a periodic touch base that I still think is important. There is like an Honestly, it's like an informal thing that I do with the people that I am currently mentoring. It's not like I'm sitting there and telling them, A, how to do their job, or B, how to do anything that's even correlated to work. It's usually just like how to be a better person. And that's a check-in point, right? Yeah.
1: No, okay. I hear you. That's something you really admire and you don't want to give up. You're like, yes, I'm going on maternity leave, but these are the things I will continue to do because they matter to me. Like, I want to keep the lights on here because that really matters. Like, you know... I think after two months of having a baby, you probably want to talk to adults anyway. So yeah, like like, I love being a mentor. That is part of my persona. That is who I am.
0: And I will continue that. So that's fair. Okay. You win. And it's not like, it's not like work or yeah, it's not like, it's not direct, directly work related, right? It's like a, it's a check-in to people to say, Hey, do you have anything you need to talk about? Mm-hmm. Because I need to check in with people as a human too, right? Right. So that's so yeah, fair. And there, therein, therein lies okay. my that is leadership advice. If you are a leader and you are taking some type of leave, there's still like a human aspect, a humanizing aspect, as Megan McShane would say. That is mm-hmm. important. Okay. So jumping to the next question, Meg. Mm-hmm. Negotiating initial salary at a new job. Ugh, okay, this is like your specialty. You go for it. Answer your own question. <laughs> I don't know that I want to. Okay. So if I was negotiating salary at a new job, the initial offer, and I'm going to say this across the freaking board, everyone that is listening to this, please listen carefully. That first offer is never the final offer. Do not accept the first. I will be so mad at you. This is me telling you as your friend, listening to this podcast, I will be so mad if you accept your initial offer. It is never the final offer ever. There's always money left on the table if you just accept it right away. If you are so insecure that you cannot negotiate, my response would be turn to them and say, is there anything else you can do? Okay. And that is, I'm not comfortable negotiating. I'm not comfortable going back to them. I don't know how to do this. Blah, 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 blah. Like, If you have any excuse in your brain that you're too uncomfortable to do it, that is my recommended response. Is there anything else you guys can do? I'm really excited about this job. The second response, and this is for people that are ready to negotiate, do the homework. Find somebody that might be in that industry, find other people that work at that company. Like, find anything that you can that will give you related market data points. I like, we have a mutual friend, Megan, our girlfriend, Lauren. Shout out to Lauren if she's listening to this podcast episode. I love you and I miss you. But she and I, Had a mutual that ended up applying, and she ended up pinging me for, you know, like what goes on at your company. Are you guys market? Blah, blah, blah. Like those kind of conversations are so critical to making sure that you're A, negotiating correctly, and B, doing your market research. If you come back to the table, let's say I'm hiring for, which I'm currently hiring. So if anybody's listening to this, I'm currently hiring. Please check out our job board. If you come back to me and you say, you know, based on A, B, C, D, E, F, and G market data points that I found here is a salary that I'm comfortable with. I know that this is what you offered me, but this is what I think I'm worth. If you can validate that, 99% of the time somebody's gonna say yes, they have a band that they're required to work within. But I guarantee you, like if you come back and you can articulate why you're worth whatever dollar amount more, it will always happen. But you have to have market data. Like I've also had people come back to me like that are two years deep in their career and they pull numbers out of their ass. Like you can't, that's the other side of it, right? There's two sides to the negotiation. There's, you have to do the market research, find as many people as you can that will negotiate it with you. And then there's, I'm going to come up with a number because I think this number sounds good. Right. So that would be my thing. And by the way, with every negotiation, so if you're a real stickler, you get two no's you can come back with one more response. So if what? you send one response... Out, yeah. So if you send a response out, if they send you, here's your initial offer, and then you say, this is what I'd like, and they come back slightly underneath that, you can push back and be like, if there's anything else on the table, then I'm leaving. Like whatever, however you want to respond to it. But like even if you nudge like two to $5,000, chances are you will get it. Or by the way, they'll say no, but they'll still send you an offer. So like if a company... If a company is super interested in you and they're giving you a response back to negotiate, just know that it's okay to negotiate twice. That's the other thing. There's still a tiny amount of money usually left on the table after they respond to you. So two no's. And I actually, I learned this working at a car wash. Two no's and then it's final. You got to take the final offer. That's a, After you get two no's, that is your offer. That is the end. You cannot go back for a third time. You will have egg on your face. Hmm. That is what I will say. But again, I want to go back to my first point. If you do not negotiate on that initial offer, I am mad at you.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'm going to be totally white girl here for a second. So I was watching sex in the city earlier today. Do you remember that episode where Charlotte was trying to become Jewish? And she had to knock on the door of the rabbi's place. And, He said no and slammed the door in her face and then she went back and then she like started crying and she went to her husband and he was like, no, 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 you get three. You refused three times. And on the third time, if they refuse you, they really mean it. But the first one, it's fine. It's table stakes. Go back a second time. It shows persistence. And then you go back a third and they like let her in.
0: Same thing. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) However, however, what I, yeah, I just wouldn't recommend going three times. I feel like I'm not uh... third. I mean, except the second. Whatever.
1: That's what it made me think of. It's great advice, and I totally ruined it. Okay, la- okay, last one. No, that like- was
0: good advice, and it correlates back to what a lot of our women probably pay attention to. But yeah, okay, I hear you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, so you're not going to answer the negotiation question? Did you have any feedback on that outside of Sex in the City? No. I mean,
1: you. I come to you for all that advice. So you're kind of like my go-to. So anything you say, I usually take, right? Okay. But yeah. I think... so. Yeah, but also like stemming from some of our our heroines or interviewees, right? Denise, lead with your gut. You know what your worth is. You're confident. You're not arrogant. This is who you are. And you need to lead with that. And there's been so many times that women don't talk about how much money they make. And then they find out that men that are in the same position as them make three times as much and they do more work. What? So I think being open, honest, and money forward is the best advice you could give anybody. And like you know your worth. And your worth
0: is also your time. And I want to bounce on that because I have a girlfriend, Abby, who's in Seattle that I absolutely admire. And I know that at some point she'll listen to this episode. So Abby, hi, I love you. Sharing your salary is okay. And it's something that more women need to do. Men share their salaries with each other. Like It's okay to share your salary. And the more that we do that and the more comfortable that we get talking about it, the less A, competitive we'll be, and B, the more likely we'll find out how underpaid we are. Like, if you need help figuring out where you should be, like, asking for a promotion or where you need to be pushing to make more money. The quickest way to do that is to ask other women that are doing things similar to you or that are within your industry, what should I be making? How much are you making? Here's what I'm making. Like, if you lay that out on the table, so many other women will come forward and be like, This is what I'm making. It like, does this make sense? Right. No, and I've used that advice that you've given me. And I've been yeah. more and
1: more vocal about it. And like some people are like, That's so gauche. How dare you talk about money? But I'm like, I've had conversations with really good girlfriends at dinner where they were like, what do you make? And I'm like, this is what I make. And they're like, oh, I do the same thing. And I make $20,000 less. I'm like, what? Does it kill you? It kills me. But thank God we had that conversation. You know what I mean? I'm like, you got to go talk to your boss. Like, this is fucked.
0: Dude. And by the way, there are tools that are available that we should start posting online yes. more often where you can go search for salary and you can figure out what other people are making that are correlated to you. None of those tools are perfect. None of those tools are going to give you exactly what you need. But but if we start getting more comfortable with sharing that information, I genuinely believe A, the wage gap will be closed and B, that we will start achieving greater and greater things because we will start being paid what we need to be paid and what we deserve. Mm -hmm. So I am... To anyone that's listening, it is not gauche to talk about your salary. If you are being told that, that is a patriarchal ideology. That is not something that you need to adhere to. It is not gauche to talk about how much money you make. Like... Open that door and start that conversation because I promise you what you will discover is an educational aspect that other people have been dying to continue to like discuss. Oh, so
1: good. That that might be one of the most enlightened things that this podcast has taught me personally over the past year to tell you the truth is just to be more vocal and open and honest as I am about everything else except money. <laughs> Oh, God. So obviously, these three episodes really taught us a lot. Let's be real. Have we found balance? No. <laughs> 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 Will we continue to work on it? Freaking absolutely.
0: Absolutely. 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 I'm with you, girl. I'm with
1: you. I know. Should you make mention of our next series?
0: Okay. So. I feel like this next series is where we start to get a little personal. So to everybody listening, just be forewarned. I may or may not cry during some of these episodes. So we're going to talk about life stages. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about babies. We're going to talk about all of the things that affect our lives, like the inflection points that are not necessarily work-related. What? (laughs) I feel like that's a good point. Like this is, this is the right moment to wrap it up. So should we wrap it up, Meg? Yeah, this is perfect. This has been oh, fun. Gosh, I love you. I love you. Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Wanna Have Funds.